All right, welcome to the Stop Money Anxiety Now live podcast, episode number 17. Niche still making people rich. Right, welcome back to another live broadcast of the Stop Money Anxiety Now podcast. I am your host, Wei Hong from the Six Figure Academy. And I'm Jessica, also from the Six Figure Academy. Once again, remote in another land. So anyway, this is the podcast where we give you real-world tips, strategies, and interviews with some amazing entrepreneurs on how to eliminate the destructive money habits and anxiety so that you can create a prosperous and abundant lifestyle and business free of financial stress and worry. Now, if you are joining us live today, make sure you go on or you get on Spreaker.com or download the Spreaker app. Yes, they have an app, and it's a really cool app, actually. Search for the Stop Money Anxiety Now show so that you can join us in the chat room to ask questions ask our guests questions and interact with us uh while you're while we're on live now while you're there subscribe so that you don't miss another episode and can catch us every week for all other ways to find us you can actually go to the sixfigureacademy.com forward slash radio for all the details so you're still far away jess what's going on far away but not as far away as thailand (laughs) i'm still on the east coast yeah but you weren't at thailand so why did you compare to thailand i know before like early in the year but but we didn't even do a show with you in thailand (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't make it i know we could yeah how's the internet in thailand is it good oh it's actually one of the best um you know there's yeah one of the best what like one of like the like strongest Wi-Fi connections in Chiang Mai. So there's like this Yelp in for Chiang Mai. Chiang so Mai. One, of the, one of the best in Thailand, but relative to the rest of the world, relative oh, no, to no, my no. office, how good is it? Oh, what well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, okay, in comparison, so there's this website for digital nomads, and it mm. ranks each location, like each city in the world, um, like ranking it uh, like first, second, third place, yeah. and they have these different meters as in Wi-Fi connection. Um, like uh, stand like living standards, as in you know, like what the okay. difference in currency, and then you know, like other accommodations, things to do. But and Chiang Mai is actually the highest ranking city on there. Um, for really, digital what's it? What's the what's the website again? Digital um, Nomads. I, I don't know. No, I don't know what the website is, but I can find it and I'll post it into the. Yeah, you the better podcast. because if you mention it, and Ani goes, "Oh, cool," and he said, "I don't know." <laughs> it's kind of like a tease. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll so do it. not cool. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so, anyway, how, so what's been going on? I mean, you were supposed to come back, but then you extended your stay. So what's happening? Catch us up. Yeah, what's, what's I just, um, I got offered. So I came out here, um, you know, last week. We have a community gathering with my partner and, you know, his friends. And, uh, you know, we just got offered another opportunity to stay longer and work um, another event here on the East Coast. And so we just thought that that would be an amazing opportunity um for you know for this and also for other future um, opportunities that may arise but um yeah and how it's worse what there was like a festival in redonda beach right summer fest yes um what's kind of nice is it's literally in my backyard um our guest was actually here on saturday i wasn't here on saturday i was here more on sunday and uh-huh. you know we we went to the food court and it was it's, which is literally right outside the window of our office and i 
was walking around and I was like, ah, we don't have a place to sit. That's okay. We'll sit in the office and we get like a balcony view of everybody and everything. What? Yeah. That's so, perfect. Yeah. It was actually a very busy and exciting week over here at the Six Figure Academy on a variety of different fronts. And, you know, there's some things coming. So for those, those of you who are listening and stuff like that and, and also are fans of the Six Figure Academy, make sure you stay tuned. We have some really big news to share in the very near future. So this summer is going to be a very, very fun fun summer well it's quite the cliffhanger i know there's some things going on with this show as well so stay tuned for that we're going to do some shifts and changes maybe we'll change the name maybe we won't who knows but uh yeah there's some good stuff going on and um you know just in time for a lot of different things but um but other than that uh when are you coming back to the west coast i am back next week on monday on monday Monday, yes, yes. Monday, Monday. So that's, oh, in July. Yeah. Okay, just in time for Independence Day. Um, <laughs> Going to have a little shindig yeah. over at my place, and our guest is having a shindig. Really? Too. Yeah. So, you know, 4th of July is one of my absolute favorite holidays. I'm not. Why? Just because it's the air of the holidays. Like, everyone's out barbecuing. Oh, I have an affinity for barbecues. Okay. So everyone's out barbecuing. Are everyone's you good at barbecuing? Yes. Okay, oh well, that's going to be your job then. Oh, yeah. I can man the grill. <laughs> I can, I can, really you can man, man the, the grill. grill. After we have our guest, after we have our guest next week, we actually have a show still next week, even though it's on a Tuesday, Independence Day. We're still working it because that's our commitment, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Kismet. Kismet's coming on next week, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, let's make sure we look forward to that. But other than that, let's uh, talk a little bit about today because, you know, one of the things that, um, um, that, was, that was interesting about what you're doing is that you're totally just kind of like picking a path that you've been passionate. I mean, when I first met you, you talked about festival. You talked about event planning and everything like that. Uh-huh. And even though it hasn't been that long, it feels like lifetimes have gone by and you're still very <laughs> focused on that particular niche, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that by far has been giving you the most uh, fruitful rewards on a variety of different fronts, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I'm I'm sure you can attest to it too, you know, like Mm -hmm. not spinning yourself thin, even though you you have, you know, a foot in every pie, but, you know, finding that A foot in every pie. I have no... (laughs) <laughs> Our guest just fell off his chair. <laughs> I, how, I have never heard that. It's not even a cliche because it's never been used. I, it's just the first time I've ever heard a foot in a pie. How does that even appetite? How does that even work? A foot I in love a pie. It. We're going to start using that. That's going to coin. It's going to turn Wait. into the new household cliche. Oh my God, that'll be a new meme. How that'll many pies do you have a feet pie. in? Your feet in. Well, you know, people say you eat with your eyes first. I like to say you eat with your, your feet first. Oh, okay. So you're one I'm of those. You're, like, you're like a monkey. <laughs> I'm just trying to get my minerals in. Oh, I'm just okay. trying to get my minerals <laughs> in. <laughs> like the minerals that you get from walking around over in Thailand barefoot? Okay. Oh, my god. That's how the Wi-Fi works so well. What? Okay, so... <laughs> So, so, you know, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think in, in the, in all the businesses that I've done in the past up to this point, the ones that I've niched in the most have actually done the best in. And, you know, back then, you know, you could get away before there was internet and everything. Niching was, you know, almost like an optional thing because, you know, the way people got awareness of what it is that you do was, you know, whatever. But anyway, so, I mean, that's kind of uh, a, a really good segue into um, bringing our guest on right now. Um, as much as I like to banter with you, Jessica, we could end up, ban- <laughs> you know, who cares? I mean, we banter all day long, whatever. <laughs> uh, 
off as we do. Yeah, I know. Depending on your mood, right? Sometimes you're you're <laughs> completely sucked into your computer and whatever. So yeah. our our guest today is this really amazing individual, uh, very ambitious, very driven. Um, I've had a, uh, an opportunity to know him for several years now. I would yeah. say, yeah, anything past two or three is several. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> and his name is Stephen Griswold. He's actually the president of Vegan and Animal Professionals Insurance. How cool is that? Talk about niching, right? A B Corporation certified insurance agency and the only agency in the U.S. dedicated to serving the vegan industry, which is kind of hand in hand with that industry that you're in, right? There's a lot, there's a lot of uh, uh, festival attendees that are straight up vegan that's as part of their policy of living, right? Yeah. yeah. He's also on several nonprofit boards. I'm only on one. He's on several and committees and also chairs the Paul's Verde Street Fair, which just happened like uh, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Um, and, you know, good friend, um, client, all, you know, name, you name it. But uh, welcome to the show, Stephen. <laughs> Thanks, Wei. Happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, get you on there. I mean, you... <laughs> was listening to our our banter and we're especially a little rambunctious today probably because um it's been so nice not having anybody in the office with me over the last couple weeks (laughs) okay i won't take that personally (laughs) oh wait is jessica still on (laughs) so yeah welcome to the show um you know it's it was, it's good to finally have you on. And um, you said, we, you know, we were, as we were getting ready earlier today, you said, oh, yeah, I, uh, I, I've been on podcasts. I've been on other shows, but it's usually virtual. So this is the first time I've actually been being inside a studio of sorts on air live radio style. It's kind of nice because you can actually have, you know, face-to-face contact with somebody asking, you know, questions. Yeah. And it's not like I'm it's on a really long conference call right which is a yeah right. and it's something yeah and i know how much you love like you know personal interaction versus virtual as much as you're a techie like i am you know you love that tech stuff in case any of you out there don't know steven's one of the most that's the that's the person that i can sit for hours with just talking about tech and just geeking out like big time yeah. <laughs> um and despite that you still prefer personal in you know intimate type of interactions yeah i'll always take the uh, the in-person meeting over a phone i i've attention span of about four minutes on the phone so <laughs> that's actually pretty long four minutes <laughs> i know people who can't last 30 seconds say okay i gotta go and it's kind of like my dad i call him and says anything else and it's like 20 seconds and i was like i'm calling to see how you're doing we haven't talked in we haven't spoken in years okay anything else <laughs> yeah my, my mom's the same way she about five five ten seconds she's done you know yeah. it's the whole asian culture i think it's that hardcore art you know uh for those who don't know um stephen griswold is this handsome half Asian man, you know, as opposed to being full, there's always something interesting about when you get people who are mixed. They, they tend to bring out the best and then leave the worst. Whereas for us homogenous individuals, we just have to, you just have to take it, you know, good and bad. <laughs> this is who we are. Oh wait, Jess, you're you're homogenous too, huh? But you turned Mom. out okay. Oh, like a holy yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I turned out okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 but your mom likes to talk. Your mom likes to stay, would like to stay on the phone and stay with you as much as possible, right? Um, she is more of a face-to-face person, actually. Oh, really? So she's also yeah. kind of like, get on the phone, talk, 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 get done with it, and move on? Yes. We're, we're both pretty much just, yeah, ah. I don't... Because even for me, like I don't even like text messaging. I'm like, you know, talk, get it done with, over, right. okay, focus on your next task. But my mom, my mom is different, though. 
my mom, I can't get her off the phone fast enough. I'm like, oh, is there, yeah. I'm the one saying, is there anything else, mom? <laughs> she goes, well, I'm just calling to see how you're doing. Da, 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 da. Oh, by the way, and she talks, and then she, and, and next thing I know, before she talk, starts talking about something that I think is going to be absolutely relevant to what we were talking about, and we're talking about some serious subject, and it doesn't end, and she goes, oh, and then I say, like, oh, okay, here's something that's going to like kind of wrap up this section. No, she jumps onto something else like, how's Kayla? I'm like, what? That has nothing to do with what we just talked about. <laughs> My mom will actually like disconnect mid-phone call. Like She'll be like, finish something and it's hang up. I'm like, I'll just talk. And I'm like, oh, apparently she's done with the call. Okay. <laughs> so, so just like, that click. Really? Not even a goodbye? Sometimes it's just a bye, but she goes, okay, and hangs up. And I'm like... Well, okay. maybe she's taking the Hawaiian thing. There's no, they, they don't know, they don't really say goodbye, right? You know, they just aloha. say aloha. <laughs> maybe she starts to she start saying yeah. aloha. But um, okay, well, since this show, I mean, we we got to get focused here. Okay, since this show is like about the money, anxiety, the money. It's all about money per se in terms of uh, our relationship with money, our money stories, and everything. What what is your money story? Let's start with that, Stephen. What what's mm-hmm. So my money story, I, I've always had a um, ongoing money anxiety. Wow. It's, uh, so um, my mom grew up in post World War II Japan, so mm-hmm. she grew up in you know uh, surrounded by famine and having to struggle for everything. Wow. Uh, so um, I think through that, it's it's kind of a a need for abundance has been instilled in in um, you know the way I do everything. So. Um, you know, most businesses tend to operate either uh, on on a month month basis, or uh, quite a few businesses that operate in arrears all time. But mm-hmm. it's it was always a thing where we always had to have extra money, mm-hmm. and um, that type of approach, um, you know, it, as as a as an entrepreneur, is 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 tough because you you want to spend more money to grow something, but right. then you're like, well, that's going to cut into my abundance and it's going to cause massive amounts of stress and anxiety uh-huh. uh to to um you know not have this this extra money laying around right. just in case so um that's that's interesting so when you say need I, I it's interesting that you say you need for abundance you know a lot of people <clears throat> in in our industry we use the word abundance a lot so it's it sounds like there's some anxiety around the whole concept of abundance in in there was anyway i mean right. around the whole concept of abundance in your business so, which which is fascinating because then it'd be interesting to find out what what the definition of abundance was when you had all that. Right. So, I mean, in 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 the context I'm using it, just enough to pay for you know rainy day money. I guess is, mm-hmm. a, is a good way to put it. So, not right. you know you know in the terms that we temp- typically use abundance, you're talking about like you know vast sums of of wealth stockpiled somewhere. But in this case, it's maybe um, an extra month or two of operating expenses, mm-hmm. which uh, you know, a lot of small businesses don't have. Right. Uh, so that was something I always had to contend with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but as it stands, I mean, it got to a point where it was more than just a month. I mean, it was just you can it turned into almost a, a stockpiling endeavor. Right. Right. Which which is fascinating because most people think that money anxiety it, it exists when you don't have the money right. or you don't have enough or you're struggling for money. Um, and in your particular case, it came from. Um, we're not far enough ahead or something to that effect. Something of that, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's why I say all the time, you know, money anxiety um, is independent of whether or not you have money. I mean, it could exist 
if you're a multimillionaire, you can still have money anxiety. Right. Right. It just demands of where you want to put it. So it's fascinating because, you know, when when we start making more money thinking money's going to solve our problem, but we start off with having money anxiety, we realize that money isn't solving our problem. The anxiety just kind of, it's just there. Well, so. it's, it's less that money's a problem and your attitude about money's a problem. Right, yeah. right. So let's talk about that. I mean, what do I mean? So, so obviously something has, something shifted. Something had had to have changed. And because as a result, I mean, your business has grown. You've been able to do other things. You have freedom to do other things. Right. And I think a lot of that money anxiety was was tapping into your freedom too, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So talk about that. How did that happen? So, uh, yeah, my my focus on making sure there's enough was was creating you know a kind of an endless cycle of anxiety, which would impact my ability to really focus on work and mm-hmm. really focus on uh, taking risks and building things that I need that needed to get done in the business and right. mm-hmm. being able to work through that freed up a, a tremendous amount of mind space and energy mm-hmm. and I've been able to kind of like you know, letting that go right. has been able to give me the freedom to 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 build yeah and mm-hmm. and then when um when the money piece I mean how how did it affect your uh personal life too because a lot of people that they you know we it's easy for us to talk about how this affects our business but we forget that as entrepreneurs what affects our business also affects our lives too how how is your personal life doing all that so uh, my my personal life was was overall okay, but you know the the money anxiety still persisted into mm-hmm. you know my my personal finances and always worrying about oh, okay. well, do I have enough to uh, pay for this if something happens or do I have enough money to gotcha. uh, you know yeah. do do what I want and that you know added to the stress. So and and so that's like and it doesn't help that you're in the insurance industry right. because you're always <laughs> thinking about what is, right? Right. I mean, yeah. my my mind always goes to worst case scenario all the time. So I'm <laughs> fun at parties, let me tell you. <laughs> It's like, are you sure you want to eat that? Because down the road, I don't know what kind of health policy you have. <laughs> yeah, that's a 42% chance of giving you cancer, just FYI. <laughs> just FYI as you're enjoying yourself. So go ahead, have fun. You're at 42%, wow. But uh, so, okay, very interesting. So and what was where did the shift happen? You know, where, how did that, um, how did you end up eliminating that piece? What was the big piece around that? Well, you obviously. So uh, the, through the, through the <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, through through our, through our coaching and and um, I, I realized that 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 wasn't serving me. I mean, is this really a, a big it, part of recognizing a problem? Is recognizing how it is or is not serving you and your 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 overall goals and coming to realization that having this anxiety was not productive and right. was not helpful and. Uh, being able to just kind of you know gradually eliminate that and focus on other more productive uh, you know areas kind of ma- made that go away and then now it's yeah and and what did you end up finding what it is that you because you know a lot of times when people get rid of money anxiety they 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 get a clear picture of what it is that they actually want to do in life and so what 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 did you end up finding out when that happened about what is it that you wanted to do in life what is it that you want to do with your business or businesses in this particular case so uh you know getting rid of my anxiety that you know kind of freed up mind space to to really pursue uh you know a bunch of endeavors so i'm i'm uh last september i started vegan and animal professionals insurance which Very is cool. an offshoot of our, of our family agency which has been around for almost 70 years 70 years and oh, um yeah. So uh, that that was a starting point. Um, I'm realizing that I have a, a knack for 
uh, working on events. So that's something I'm, I'm going to be expanding. Oh, you need to you um, need to connect with Jessica. Jessica is all about events too. Yeah. So yeah, we got we got to talk, Jessica. I have a project. Yeah, no, we um, do. <laughs> and uh, I'm also actually in the process of planning a, a vegan pop up restaurant. Oh, how cool! Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're a foodie. Yeah, that's right. Huge foodie. So yeah, vegans can be foodies too. We're not that boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all sticks and grass. <laughs> really? Certainly not at 42 Oh, I must be doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to be vegan and all I ate was sticks and grass. <laughs> Wait, so can we can we describe um, for our listeners who don't know what vegan insurance may be? Can we, you know, give Yeah, let's talk about that piece because, I mean, you know, since we're talking about niching and everything, you know, um, let's, let's first, yeah, I mean, let's talk about what vegan insurance is all about. Sure. So I've been vegan for five and a half years, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm an ethical vegan, which which means I'm here for uh, you know uh, for the animals. I'm 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 opposed to animal cruelty, usage mm-hmm. of animals in in our inherent in our system, um, versus just in it for health health benefits or environmental benefits. So it encompasses gotcha. every every aspect of the uh, of you know what we people tend to lump into veganism, which is the the, right. the welfare and the environmental and the the health aspects. Um, so. Um, you know, I, the vegan community is a very tight knit one, and it occurred to me last year that I started getting a couple clients um, through my vegan network um, in the business, and realized that there's very few vegans as, as a, on a population level where, where just a, a few percent of the population is vegan. And I realized within my industry, it's probably about a tenth of that that may be vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I only know of maybe one or two other agents in in the insurance industry that that are ve- that are true vegans. Uh-huh. And I started doing some research, and I realized that nobody was focusing on working with vegans in mm-hmm. my in my in my industry. So there were no other people in my uh, professional groups. There were no other people in right. my social networks that were also vegan in the insurance industry so I'm like with this this is something that i think needs to be addressed so right. um, out of that came vegan and animal professionals insurance uh-huh. and uh yeah so we we focus on uh, the entire vegan in- vegan lifestyle industry as a whole yeah and that's that's a what you know relatively speaking it's a very niche niche focus i mean you obviously have your other uh, other your general insurance business as well which we can talk about a little bit as too. But um, the whole vegan piece, I mean, I think one of the things that a lot of um, entrepreneurs struggle with is when, especially when people are telling them to niche, that there's this fear to be too niched, you know. So when doing your research and your due diligence, how did you decide that this was viable enough for you to create a whole separate business out of serving the vegan community? Well, in my case, it came out of a conversation I had with a prospective client who who I told was vegan and like, oh, we would love to work with somebody who's mission aligned. And mm. I, this came out a, a couple times with uh, because my agency is a certified B Corporation. We get mm-hmm. um, people about once a week saying, oh, we're becoming a benefit corporation. We would like to work with somebody with similar goals and interests. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody else who'd rather be mission aligned than somebody who's a vegan because right. it's very important that everybody you in your network right. understands what you're fighting for because it's not yeah. just um, it, it's not just your industry it is it is you know we're really fighting for humanity and mm. finding people who who share this worldview is very important to most of us right and it, it um you know, I did some research, and the the vegan, you know, veganism in general is up six hundred percent over over the past year. Wow. The vegan food industry wow. itself is up fifteen hundred percent this wow. year. 
And, um, you know, I attend... Uh, Holy cow. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Holy salary stick. <laughs> uh, but the, um, you know, I, I attend Expo West everywhere, which is a natural foods exposition in Anaheim. And, and every year it, it's... Looks like the, the vegans are taking over the whole thing. So we, right. we're seeing more and more companies embracing veganism and um, either going vegan or, you know, right. do, uh, making vegan products. And so then I, I found that this would be uh, worth pursuing. So. Right. So, you know, I have a question about the whole this whole vegan ethical vegan thing, because, you know, man hasn't always been like this, you know, deciding to be vegan or anything like that. Is it is this whole vegan from an ethical standpoint? A result of how man has come to commercialize uh, the consumption of meat, because if we were still back in the hunter gatherer days, you know, um, would this ethical vegan still be relevant? Um, it that, that's an interesting question. So you, the the main argument for veganism is to eliminate the suffering of, of especially fa- of animals as a whole, but especially to factory farm animals because they Got are subject it. to egregious amounts of abuse. Right. And, uh, you know, there's people who say, well, I, I hunt for myself and whatever. Um, or back in the day, we didn't, you know, we were hunter gatherers. We are no longer hunter gatherers. There is there's mm-hmm. no need to be a hunter gatherer because we have the the we have the. Um, infrastructure to mm-hmm. feed people without needing to do that, and we are at a place where we have the collective intelligence and awareness to remove ourselves from the cycle of animal use. Mm-hmm. There's there's no longer a need for animal products, right? Mm-hmm. Because back in in this you know 1600s, where you either ate what you found or farmed or hunted, uh-huh. that's a different conversation because you it wasn't practicable and it wasn't sustainable to eat only only plant-based but now we have enough plant-based substitutes for meat we have enough plant-based supplements we have enough of everything and awareness that it mm-hmm. is better from a health and environmental and um pretty much every other perspective that mm-hmm. veganism is the way to go so that this this conversation is now no longer about you know why should you or should you not be vegan is why aren't you vegan mm. so there has been some recent studies now I, i'm just i'm just you know going through a different thing so i hope you don't mind me asking these um questions that might i'm not trying to stump you or anything <laughs> bring it like, on i'm just curious you know because i mean this is your niche so you, yeah. you know it's it's good to kind of be able to kind of flex those muscles a little bit right sure. every once in a while now there has been there have been recent studies now moving more and more towards you know they're they're just understanding about energy between humans and everything like that but they've also now identified that you know, plants when they measure the electric, ele- the electrical fields, or however you want to call it, scientists are now researching, finding that now pl- they 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 proved on some levels that plants can feel pain now. So there's a difference between plants responding to stimuli, mm-hmm. and there is a difference between being sentient, mm-hmm. right? So very very various numbers of things respond to stimuli bacteria respond to stimuli mm-hmm. you know single celled organisms respond to stimuli mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they're sentient so mm-hmm. we we are really focused on the the um prevention of cruelty against sentient beings mm-hmm. and so you know these are going to be you know all your farm animals insects that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh I mean, if you really want to kind of get into like a technical perspective, anything with the nervous system. Right. So while plants can just respond to stimuli, the fact yeah. can they can they think or or feel in the sense that we feel? Probably not. So what's going to happen when we find out that they actually can, and we just have ne- we just never had the knowledge base to kind of understand and realize that they do? 
I we'll all go fruitarian, I think, at that point. <laughs> no, there's actually breatharians. Yeah. Breatharians. Yeah. I sent a, I actually put an article out on social media. There's this family where the where the husband and wife they're they're breatharians. And they look totally they don't look emaciated or they they live off of they call air and earth's energy. Right. Well there there's the stories of uh yeah, of, of Buddhist monks going months or years without food and there's I think there's uh, one Tibetan monk that's basically mummified but technically still alive for like a thousand years. Oh, yeah. I don't know, there's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um my, my coach has actually seen a four hundred year old man and it's pretty what? it's a pretty it's a pretty amazing thing to to listen to in terms of the story and whatnot. But yeah, I mean I, with these people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, I mean, one minute he's there, one minute he's like gone, you know, that type of thing. He's very, I mean, if you've been around that long, you figure out, I mean, uh, Vin Diesel has that new movie that came out with him as the witch hunter or something like oh, that. Yeah. And he's been around for like 800 years or something like that. Whoa. And so he's he's very knowledgeable, but he still looks like triple X. I mean, I don't know. So, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, but the concept is cool. Right. But, but, you know, I think, I think um, this is all part of you know man's evolution and um and so based on what you're saying right here your your market as niche as it is uh, eventually may get to a point where it's not so niche anymore it's going to be pretty broad right we're we're getting to the point where at least the idea of veganism has ma- hit mainstream so mm-hmm. you can ask almost anybody and everybody's heard of veganism right. when i st- you know even just 5 years ago you would go into a restaurant and ask if they had any vegan options and people would have no clue what you're talking about right. but now at least everybody in the food industry has heard of it and is aware of it. Whether or not they want to support it is up to them. But right. every day we see restaurants either moving their entire menus vegan or creating new vegan menus mm-hmm. or having some sort of option for for people who want to go plant based. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, so you know, the so the name of today's show is about how niche still is making people rich because um, I think for a long time. Um, people were being educated and a lot of entrepreneurs have been told you got a niche got a niche niche makes you rich type of thing and um you know as played out as that phrase is i mean would you say to this day that niching is still one of the most uh important things to helping you become successful as a business Oh, definitely. Like, it, it, especially in our industry, insurance, where we're all we're all commoditized. I mean, there's uh-huh. nothing that I in, offer on a product level that any other agent couldn't offer. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, how do you, how do you compete in an industry such as you know, like real estate's the same way. You know, if real estate agents, right. mortgage companies, these massive where they have widespread um, generations of just you know insurance right, right? Uh, how do you how do you compete in that market you know in from from a niche standpoint i mean sure well i mean the two main things are going to be service and knowledge mm-hmm. uh so i've 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 built my entire company's practice around providing them the the best service possible and so we we pride ourselves in the the fastest turnaround time the the most responsive mm-hmm. uh the faster response to emails and calls and I think this is evident in the fact that we retain over 99% of our clients a year. A year. Nice. Our, our in, the, in, the industry standard for insurance agencies is retention of about 92 to 93%. Mm-hmm. So we, we rarely lose clients, which which I think is an attestation to our it's service. A testament to you. And, um, yeah. um, our, and then the other side is, is the industry knowledge, which is where niching comes in, is, is that... Sure, anybody can write insurance, but writing it properly is a whole nother ball game. Mm-hmm. We we have um, you know we 
make it a point to when we're working in an industry to really understand the ins and outs of the risks inherent to the industry. Mm -hmm. So we would have no uh, business writing a you know a contractor that built skyscrapers. That's that's uh, right. completely out of our realm. We wouldn't even touch that. Right. Uh, there's a lot of agents who will write anything that comes in a door, mm-hmm. and we see this problem. Call on, those people insurance whores, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Um, but we yeah. see this on a daily basis. I apologize to all your insurance whores out there uh, if you guys are listening. You know, but if you have any questions, by the way, just a quick reminder. I mean, it, it, Steve's going to touch on a variety of more different topics. This is all good, really good stuff. So, I mean, again, we are live on Spreaker.com. So if you want to type into the join us in chat, type any question that you have. Um, you know, Steve and I are going to see those questions. And uh, oh, Jessica, too, even though she's not here. And that way we can uh, get those questions asked. Or if you just want to say hi, you know, but sorry, I just want to make oh, sure. So um, as, a, as I was saying, with, with the industry knowledge, I, th- I think that uh, niching to an industry that you're familiar with, is, mm-hmm. is, especially uh, um, for an insurance agent, is, is really important because there's all these risks about the especially. Uh, one of our niches is, is the tech industry where mm-hmm. this is evolving on a daily basis. So right. we have to be aware of all the developments in um, you know, service delivery and, and technology and how that gets blended with real-world risks. So mm-hmm. you know, there's, there, we're starting to see a lot of shared eco- stuff in the shared economy, which mm-hmm. is something that the insurance industry is still trying to catch up with, right. where you're, you're blending you know, digital app-based uh, you know, exposure with people lending out their their stuff to right. strangers and we have to deal with, with how does it this, this isn't this wasn't a business that anybody would have thought about ten, yeah. five ten years ago yeah um and now we're seeing new approaches on technology and delivering business that, and and that nobody's thought of so you hmm. know uh, that you know being involved in that helps us helps keep us ahead of the game and you know with it with the vegan um side that that's you know, whole other conversation. Right. You know, and it's interesting because, I mean, you and I have had a lot of conversations about this because, you know, just getting to understand, the, you know, how, how then, what I mean, what is your X factor? I mean, what is it that distinguishes you from all the other, you know, insurance people? And it, it's interesting. I know more than everybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's the niche. <laughs> My niche in insurance? Yeah. I know more. No. But no, you do commit quite a bit to understanding the nuances, I mean, to, to, to the nitty gritty of what's going on and staying on top of trends. I mean, I see your posts sometimes on Facebook uh, just about something that just got announced, you know, or something that just happened in, 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 in our world of politics uh, <laughs> around insurance and being able to eloquently just describe all of that in terms that the the general populace can understand. I think that's one of my challenges with insurance is why I never really kind of saw value insurance uh, aside from the fact that I had to have it, you know, all these fear tactics was understanding how I could actually use it not just as insurance and and i think a lot of people in the vegan industry they're so passionate about what they do they're not gonna have time to sit there and think about okay what i need to know about my insurance right right and how then do you use it not only as a uh, a protection tool but also as an investment uh instrument right yeah so you know i i I think um what you've been able to do just demonstrate through statistics is have people understand that high level service true service right because people right. Have, i mean what's keeping someone else from saying the exact same thing right 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, yeah, the, the proof is that our clients don't leave. Is they our clients and they, yeah. you know we, they refer their friends and their family to us. So right. that yeah, that's the highest level of uh, trust. Yeah. So here's my question. So what would you say to somebody who has absolutely no idea who you are, what it is that you do? How would you how would you tell them then? You know, what what the one reason why they should consider even talking to you when it comes to either even as a as a ethical vegan or just a regular insurance sure i mean because i truly understand the, the coverages that that people and, the, and businesses need and i have a way of explaining it to them in plain english mm-hmm. so that you you really have a good understanding of what you need and what you're looking for right so what what would they walk away with so if they were to like you know um and this is just me being curious if they were to like have no idea who you are give me in 30 seconds or 59 seconds or less what would i get you know if i were to get into a conversation with you to review my insurance policies or whatever and sure well i'd have you tell me more about what you do and and uh really get in depth and what your business encompasses Mm -hmm. and while we're having that conversation i'm in my head i'm building a risk profile for you Mm -hmm. and figuring out well here's all your possible ways that something can go wrong with your business okay so as i said i'm great at parties just good to think of the worst case scenario (laughs) in every situation here's all the ways you can die yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, so, well, I'm thinking of all the ways that somebody can either, yeah, get hurt or get killed by whatever you're doing or sue you for whatever reason, whether right. or not you did something wrong. And then, you know, by the time we we end the conversation, you're you're very well aware of all, you the, know, potential all the potential risks. And, and there, the, you have a way to kind of help you weigh them to determine, well, what is the most important thing to go after first? Mm-hmm. So if you're mm-hmm. in a situation where technically you could be a candidate for professional liability insurance, um, also known as errors and omissions, but the chances of somebody actually suing you because of your service is next to none, then we're going to say, we that that's, let's put that on the back burner. Let's concentrate right. on what is more likely to happen in your scenario. Mm. So I think one of the things about uh, choosing or deciding on, on your niche is also being able to answer the question, then if... Um, you know what what would be the benefits really of them like for so for uh, uh ethical vegan insurance um what are the, what would be the benefits of them what would they be able to walk away with working specifically with a vegan based insurance company so and particularly for for vegan and animal professionals insurance as as i mentioned earlier people want to work with a, a mission aligned mm-hmm. uh company and Considering that the vast majority of the insurance industry is is, is fairly uh, tilts tilts to the right in mm-hmm. general, um, we you know we, the last thing you want to do as an animal activist is pay money to an insurance company, an insurance agent, and then see that this agent's gone going fishing or going hunting. I mean that because that's directly undoing some of the work you're doing. Right. And or just having them say, oh, I'm going to go, you know, take this commission I got and buy a nice steak dinner. I mean, that that's <laughs> goes that's, that's you're directly um, sabotaging your own efforts by using people Some, who aren't right. mission aligned. So interesting uh, by, yeah. by making sure that and, and part of our mission as a B Corporation is that we have a very extensive pro, uh, program to give back to the community. So right. we have over two dozen nonprofits, animal sanctuaries shelters um right. vegan nonprofits veg fest and we give back to them on a regular basis right so basic so what you're saying is your particular niche is targeting those who want to maintain their alignment in what it is that they're here to do exactly yeah interesting well, 
It's pretty powerful. Yeah. And, you know, generally when people think of niching, they're thinking of, well, like, you know, what are your, what are your hobbies or interests or, or things you're, you're familiar with and uh, you use that, with, which is the mm-hmm. traditional way of niching. And, right. and what I've done is I've, I'm niching a, a cultural movement. Yeah. Right. Oh, which right. Yeah. Or lifestyle. Yeah. So. so aligning what it is that you believe in and then basically attracting those that are in that same alignment. That's it's really fascinating because it's a great segue too, because I mean what are what are some of the things that you would recommend people who are struggling with niching or figuring out a niche or how to niche? You know, what yeah. what are the main components that they should be paying attention to to make sure that they niche properly or they they, they get rich off their niche? <laughs> I, I think a big big Part of it's going to be authenticity Mm. Uh, because there's people who will say, well, I know about computers. I might as well niche into tech. But if you're not passionate about it, Mm. when you when you have that conversation with somebody, they're going to be able to tell that you aren't passionate, authentic about your interest in that sector, especially if you're being very niched, very specific. The, 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 The more niched you are, the the more the more you really have to own that niche and really own uh just really understand and live that that niche. So right. if, if you're going to go again, um, work in say the motorcycle industry, you better have a bike. You better ride every weekend. <laughs> you better know what you're doing, right. and you know in terms of term, terminology and culture and everything like that, because it's mm-hmm. not just enough to talk to talk. Right. You know, which which reminds me, I had a I had a client who was very involved in the cannabis industry, and her boss uh, went into the industry became somewhat successful i mean it was challenged in in some ways and she was not even a cannabis user <laughs> huh so i i don't well well she's no longer there anymore but um you know my client but um but i could see how even though you might start making some money as soon sooner or later you're gonna you, you're gonna hit a wall Right, somewhere right. That, with a conflict, the incongruency will show. Because up. because the, the niche, I mean, it really depends on the industry. But a lot of times, your continued success in a niche is not just targeting the people mm-hmm. that you're niching after, but all of those people. Those people know. Right. So if you can't get the confidence of the, your your immediate client base enough that they're going to refer you to to their associates and friends and family or whoever else that they're they have a relation to that you could mm-hmm. also be your clients. Then you're you're gonna have to work extra hard to to establish yourself in that niche, right? And what do you, and what do you recommend for people who are, I mean, this is, happens all the time. I don't know if you ever got afraid to niche because you're thinking, oh my god, I don't is this a, is this the right move or something like that? Um, but you've been an entrepreneur for a while now, so you know, fear is fear is just shows up and it goes away. <clears throat> but there are people who literally are frozen with fear for afraid to. To, to commit to a niche, commit to that passionate, authentic approach that you just talked about there. I mean, how, what, what are your recommendations for someone who's, you know, in that place? <clears throat> um, I, I think I think Shia LaBeouf uh, uh, captured it pretty well. Do it! <laughs> do, it. do it! Just do it! <laughs> uh, that's it. <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's, so, you know, f- fears is going to be your, your, your biggest roadblock to success in, in anything you do. And... Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, if you niche, you can, and it doesn't work. You can always unniche. You don't. It's not. It's not a one-way right. street. So nothing's permanent, uh, right? Nothing's permanent. <laughs> but it, you, if you're in a, any sort of commoditized industry, you need something to set yourself apart apart from right. your competition. Um, other than 
you know, because you can do fancy marketing campaigns, you can right. make great ads, you can have a nice name, but people are going to see through that sooner or later once they realize that you're exactly the same as everybody else. Right, exactly. Speaking of uh, commoditized industry, we have a comment here from Josh Thomas. He goes, uh, very good talking points. You guys are great. Thank you, Josh. What, what's up, Josh? <laughs> you just got on the air. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's in another industry as well. I know Josh. We know Josh Thomas. Yes. I mean, he's in another commoditized industry as well, the mortgage industry. We right. just mentioned that. And, you know, <clears throat> I mean, if you talk to, it'd be interesting getting a, get a room full of um, insurance uh, or commoditized uh, industry individuals. The just, most boring people you can think of. <laughs> and just have a conversation to find out, you know, get the get the, the, the top producers and find and, and just find out what separates them from each other. Right. You know, but um, but I love what you said there. I mean, you don't have to get you don't have to stay with that niche. Right. And then then the, then there's that question. Well, will I have wasted my money then if I was what I like to call dating your niche? Right. Well, I have wasted my money if I was going after this investing time and energy and money to build this. And it turns out it's not the niche that I want to be in. I mean, what what do you say to that to people who feel like, oh, then I don't want to waste my money, which then is another reason to keep them paralyzed in analysis paralysis. Right. Well, you, you know, business isn't all about uh, be, being immediately successful. I mean, every single entrepreneur has their failures. Mm-hmm. And there's always a risk of failure with anything you do. And if you only stay in the absolute safest place, you'll find you're not going to lose any money, but you're certainly not going to do any better than you were before i know uh, I, oh that's right i just saw uh, i just saw an amazing quote the other day um a ship is safest in the harbor but that's not what a ship is meant to do exactly yeah <laughs> i read that i was like oh yeah that's totally good <laughs> what well, and like i said if, if you if you niche right and you niche with something that you are passionate about that's the key thing is that you have to find something that really drives you and they they really have true interest in other than it being oh this looks like a good growth industry let me concentrate on that mm-hmm. Le- you know leave that to people who have the resources to to uh brute force their way into that niche right uh it, because if if you don't have the, the the marketing and staffing and and resources mm-hmm. to just take over a niche only for a growth uh, angle you have to have the the knowledge and passion mm-hmm. that, uh, to to really convince people to to go with you yeah so and, it would be finding like your niche within your skills niche within your skills oh wait yeah that's a great segue I was just about to ask a question about that good job co-host um, <laughs> So, so a lot, you know, there are some people who actually listen to this show that are, aren't actually entrepreneurs. They're, they're entrepreneur minded sure. within uh-huh. the constructs of a, you know, corporate or getting it, having a job and everything like that. So, so, but niching still works in that regard too. Well, it, it, it works for anybody who has the, the freedom to kind of choose their, their target audience or their prospects. Mm-hmm. So pretty much anybody in sales, <clears throat> even though you're not an entrepreneur, you have a way to figure out how can, you yeah. you niche into something based on you know uh, based on your product. So right. um, you know we we have uh, people who are um, like you know mortgage brokers, right? Yeah. That that uh, are able to do to even though they're not necessarily running their own business, but right. have the ability to to focus on uh, and deliver on a niche. Right. So like when I was working in the uh, financial, um, when I was working in the mortgage industry, I specialized in builder financing. So it wasn't. I mean, I could I could do any loan, 
I could have done residential. I could have done, you know, a commercial, whatever the case may be. But I specifically focused on builder financing, people who were looking to build new condos, build new apartments, build new buildings. And they were looking for a specific type of financing. And it was almost like a full-time job just keeping up with all the different nuances and the regulations and everything during that period of time when I was doing that. Now, I wasn't as good as staying within my niche per se. I was like, okay, cool. The market's shifting. Let me go here again. Oh, let me go there again. But I mean, it's, I could see that if I had stayed on that path, um, even though I didn't have my own business, having that mindset would have still uh, probably made me a ton of money as well. Right, because what, once you've established yourself well enough in a certain niche, you start being considered a, uh, an expert in that niche. Right. And it's that label of expertise or mastery that really will get you to the next level of success because mm-hmm. uh, I've been in the, uh, on my other ind- agency side, I've been in the healthcare industry, healthcare mm-hmm. side for 14, 15 years. So people know that when they have a healthcare startup or something mm-hmm. interesting to do with healthcare, that I am the born, I am the one to go to. Oh, nice. Same thing with technology startups. Is that right. they, they know that I'm the one to go to to really have a good understanding of how their risk profile is going to be affected you know, by whatever they're doing. Right. And now vegan. And like, now vegan, yes. If you're an ethical vegan and you're very much in line and you want to make sure that you align with the right people. And your network of other service providers can also be a resource to those people who are vegan insurance, who are looking for vegan insurance too, right? Exactly, right. So I, I, I took that from my dad, who, who is a master networker. And, you know, he spent probably more of his time putting people together than he did putting putting deals together. Mm-hmm. He would he would just match people that he knew would be complementary in service or, or right. need and and introduce them. And so that's uh, something right. that I've been cultivating as well. And it's Yeah, and that you know, in itself is a whole different topic yeah. too. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the whole networking piece. So I think um, there's so much more than just to say, I'm, I know I'm, I'm a vegan insurance provider. I mean, there's so, it sounds like there's so many different layers and levels to it that it almost sounds like it's not, it could even be niched even more. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if the vegan food industry is uh, growing so fast that, yeah, focusing just on food manufacturers uh, could be, could be its own thing. And actually that's one of the, the things I'm I'm building over time is, is something for that industry. Right. So did you have something to say, Jess? Or were you just, just like... No, I'm, just, I'm agreeing. I, I think it's... Yeah, I mean, like, it's so specifically niched. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So what would... Okay, so if someone who's vegan, an ethical vegan right now listening to the show, what would... What would be some things that they, they should know and why to engage with you on a vegan? What kind of things that you can provide for them? Um, if you're a vegan-based business, if you're an ethical vegan, even if you're not an ethical vegan, right? Because even people who are just like exploring the ideas and concepts of veganism sure. and they want to make their business be the, to be the next step in their conscious. Um, also explain the Benefits Corp too. But anyway, uh, talk about yeah. How, how would somebody, what, what would be some of the things that they should consider as to why you know, vegan insurance. So, uh, I, like I said, I mean, the, the, the biggest um, selling point for, for working with is, is having the partner that's mission aligned because mm-hmm. we are going to understand, um, y- you know, your, 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 your overall goal, which, which anybody who's in a vegan business, your overall goal is to save animals. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really why we're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to um, work with you to know that part of the money that, 
you know, that you, you are paying in goes back to saving animals at some point because of right. our, our contributions as a B Corp benefit corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, the industry expertise. So I know uh, about, you know, the, whether, whether you're in vegan product manufacturing. So we understand mm-hmm. the product liability and the, the, the risks for, for importing and, and uh, distribu- distributing everything from food production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we kind of understand the, the ins and outs of um, the, the risks inherent in different you know, vegan sub-industries. Right. And are there, ver- are, are there any type of special um, things that um, vegan or vegan-based insurance type of companies or foundations, any benefits that they can have because they are, um, you know, aligning with being, you know, having, be, naming themselves an, a vegan business or a B Corp business? We're working on that. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I have something planned. Oh, yeah? Yes. Ooh, it's a show of cliffhangers. <laughs> like, oh, stay tuned. Stay tuned for more. We'll have you back on the show when you're when you're ready for that announcement. But um, okay, very cool. Um, believe it or not, you know, didn't think that uh, talking about insurance would would be that fun because time is almost up. It's it's, it's like an hour it just flew by like that. So, um, any last questions, Jess, for for Stephen? Um, I mean pretty much answered all of them you know just from my perspective you know and especially with a lot of millennials now who are working Mm -hmm. and solidifying these skills i think it's really nice to keep that niche um in mind and she's niche (laughs) (laughs) no but really it's like you know to like the french way of saying niche um (laughs) but the bougie way (laughs) the bougie (laughs) niche potato potato Oh, gosh. But, yeah, no, and then even just with the, like, you know, touched on it earlier in the show with the sharing economy, I find that really, really fascinating. The more and more um, that these platforms are springing up, the more and more that, you know, insurance is needed. So that's really fantastic. Yeah, so, so, how, so how can we get... Jess, anyhow? you should have a lot of referrals then for, <clears throat> for uh, Stephen because you're tapped into that whole entire industry or that entire yeah. space. Yes, don't yes. You? Don't you? There's more and more people and products who are becoming more vegan. Like me, myself, I actually just, you know, realized I pretty much became vegan in the past week or so. So just the like, past week. I yeah. think you said I think you said that when I first met you and yet you had like Well, you know. I was trying to make the transition um meat first and then now I've been realizing it's meat and dairy products that my body just isn't, you know, happy with. Um, so it's, it's becoming, you know, like a gradual process, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel amazing. I feel a lot better. Um, you know, whether it's like environmental, ethical, or, you know, like healthy, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, the good thing about veganism is that it doesn't matter why, what, what drives you, there's always a good reason. So you could not really care about animals, still go vegan because it's good for you and it's, it's good for the environment right. or, you know, uh, you like junk food and, and you don't like animals, but it's still really good for the environment or, you know, there's, there's really, I hate animals, but I don't want to eat them. Yeah. Or you're, I know a bunch of friends who will eat vegan food just because it tastes different than, you know, like meat. based Variety. So it's just for variety. Yeah. Seriously. It's a thing. Yeah. For me, it's like going vegan is, I mean, that's why I never mind going over to, um, Steven's place because, or going out or my coach too, who was also vegan because I never have to worry about what I'm eating, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they order, whatever they choose. It's like, ah, that's fine. It's totally because I know it's for the most part, it's clean. Mm-hmm. Although there is a way to eat dirty vegan, huh? Oh, I make dirty, <laughs> dirty stuff all the time. So yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> vegan cheeseburgers. <laughs> I, I just had a massive cheeseburger last night for dinner. <laughs> 
<laughs> all vegan. <laughs> so, oh. but but aren't cows for the most part vegan? <laughs> oh my gosh, that looks amazing. Holy cow, that looks amazing. We should actually, oh, there's no way you can post that. We'll, we'll find a way to post it. All right. Yeah, share that with me. All right. So we're going to share a picture of... Um, Maybe we'll put on Imgur or something like that. No, we'll, we'll Wait, share. so how soon are you planning to do the vegan pop-up uh, dinner or restaurant, is it? So I need, I need to figure out uh, if I'm going to... I'll probably do it at a commercial kitchen uh, so I don't have to buy a whole bunch of equipment. But uh, yeah, I'm probably going to do it by probably by the uh, before you know before the end of the year. But, okay. Cool. Yeah, so maybe but, what we'll do is when we get you back on the show before the end of the year so you can talk about all that. Right. Yeah, that might be a good thing to do. Fun, 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 and 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 maybe even talk about how quickly or how the sequence of you putting that together for other people who are considering, you know, going that path of creating pop-ups as a business, you know. Sure. Yeah, that's a good idea. Awesome. So, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who, you know, even even listening to this live. Oh wait, Josh goes. How do people become aware of any insurance discounts based off groups they may belong to or their employment? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. So uh, the the easiest way is to find any of your uh, affiliated industry um, associations. So if you're a mortgage broker, you want to see if there's a mortgage broker association. Um, and those associations, if there is something for that industry, uh, then you can uh, contact them and they might have something available. So there's mm-hmm. everything from you know the food industry to uh, there's a you know soap makers guild there's you know real estate brokers um, so there are niche group uh, type of industries out almost, there then yeah almost any industry where you have a, a you know what's called a homogenous risk if you have enough of those somebody's decided well let's you clump a whole bunch of those together and make what's called in our parlance a program uh-huh. and uh, you know but. Um, uh-huh. So, but for 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 people in real estate, anything to do with real estate, mortgage uh, brokering, or or uh, you know l- lending, or anything of that sort, um, or or sales, like there's multiple programs. So you you can check your uh, association, but there might be one available through your insurance broker that you may not be aware of. So I have mm-hmm. access to maybe six or seven lawyers programs like that are special wow. for different different types of lawyers, or I have ones that are for. Um, you know, just any any certain industries like you know, you know, of course, restaurants have programs all day long, so right. you know, and bars yeah. and yeah, and yeah. So there's there's, pretty, there's something for this. There, if if you're in a very well established industry, there's probably some sort of uh, specialized program for that. Somewhere. So basically, talk to uh, any associations that you belong to. Talk to your insurance broker. Hopefully, insurance broker is um, knowledgeable enough to be able to look into that for you. Right. And from what I understand is, and I experienced this with your team too, is that you guys will actually look into things for your clients. Yeah, we'll do all the research. Yeah, yeah. and then we'll find out, and then you know, even wow. proactively be- without them asking. Right. It's like, so that's kind of a cool little thing that you guys do. So that's that's cool. But um, yeah, great question, Josh. Um, and I think also, uh, oh, which would explain you know the, something that you're putting together for the vegans. Yeah. Ah. yeah. And and if you were if you if you couldn't find anything out there, is there how would one go about putting something like that together? So it's it, it's uh, if you have a group of. Uh, a homogenous risk mm-hmm. and that homogenous risk has a good claims experience mm-hmm. then 
all you know there's going to be there's always going to be some sort of insurance company that will say okay well let's look into developing a program for this industry. oh so insurance companies can also create one yeah so uh, these are not, not sometimes the insurance company will do it sometimes a third-party administrator will market it to a company then administrate it so oh, okay. um and then you know there's also what's called risk retention groups so there is a you know, I'm doing a lot of insurance for uh, health coaches. Like for uh, there's a program called Food for Life, oh. which is a uh, oh, interesting. through the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicines, teaching people how to eat vegan right. and eat right. And the, there is a uh, there, there is a company that created a uh, you know art you know an art instructor uh, risk retention group. So if hmm. you are a single person that instructs in cooking or art or right. something like that. Uh, then you can get coverage like a hundred dollars a year. Huh? Yeah. And we we need to talk to you about our coaching network that we're building out here. So that might be a good thing to to wow. talk about. Yeah. Very cool. Great question. Ah, I didn't know that. Awesome. Okay. Cool. So uh, we are actually on the top of the hour, which means we're we got to wrap up because the hour is over. So you know, you you we talked about you um, giving a little something because we always like to have um, our guests, you know, provide a way to have our audience connect with you um, whether or not they listen to it live or later on down the road um, what is something that you, you did mention this is a really cool thing that you wanted to offer what what is it that you're offering our audience today so I want to offer anybody listening a, a uh, deep dive of your insurance portfolio um, you can set up a call with me and then we'll go over all your business operations all your current policies and I'll break them down I'll literally read through all the pages of your policy let you know if there's anything missing mm -hmm. and let you know if there's anything better you can do uh, because a lot of times people have the same insurance for years mm -hmm. and not really look at it and not understand that your business has shifted in a direction that's no longer covered by the policy or there's wow. some vital piece of coverage that you might have you might need but not have right it's almost like you you could help people save a ton of money maybe even save their life because exactly. if you have yeah. a crappy health insurance and you have like stuff going on and then something shows up and you're like i thought i was covered yeah or i i'm working with a uh, video production firm right now i review their policy their policy pretty much will only pay for them somebody uh, falling over in their office it does it didn't wouldn't cover them for any of their productions outside the office wouldn't cover their holy cow uh, their exposure against any copyright infringement or anything that would be you know relevant exposure for a video production company yeah they were pretty much naked wow, wow. yeah and this is that whole this is whole thing. and you'll go through page by page page by page okay so make sure yeah. you mention the stop money anxiety now show when you do that so that way you get the full benefits of it and he'll go just a little extra mile for you make sure you're taken care of and covered because that's that's huge i mean if you're that that could literally save a business yeah definitely there's there's times uh we, we had a client that if they didn't listen to our advice um, they would have been out over $100,000 due to their server being uh, hacked for ransom. Oh, my God. Oh, that's right. You told me about yeah, that. Holy cow. Yeah, that's right. So for those of you who do a lot of online work or any kind of presence online or any kind of database online, if you do not have cyber insurance, it's time for you to get on that. Okay. Um, I actually have a referral for you now that I think about it. But anyway. Okay, great. That's all the time that we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you so much for your participation here. Thank you, Stephen, for being on the show. I think this is great. We're obviously going to have you back on again because being a serial entrepreneur, there's always something new that's coming on your end. So, um, yeah. So any last words for about niche or vegan or anything like that before... Well, just, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. And, uh, yeah, look forward to talking to uh, your listeners. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. So, guys, if, if you're listening to this uh, post 
mortem. No, not post mortem. Post li- not live. <laughs> um, feel free to enter uh, comments anyway because we get notified and we'll respond right away. And we can forward any questions that you may have. Um, how do they get a hold of you? They go to veganinsurance.com. And how if they want to contact you directly about this uh, current yeah, if you if you go to veganinsurance.com, you can fill out the form online uh, or call the number at the, the, the top of the page. It goes literally right to my direct line. So um, I'll be happy to talk to you. Okay, great. So give Stephen a call or enter in his website, and we'll post all that information in the comments below as well. But other than that, um, that's it for this week at the Stop Money Anxiety Now show. Niche is still making you rich. So if you're not niche yet, make sure you do that. If you have any questions, reach out to our guest, Stephen. Um, otherwise, other than that, have a great week. Look forward to our 4th of July edition with Kizmar Obovich. And uh, it's going to be a fun one. All right? All right. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.